Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for the excitement that we have in coming before you and knowing that our sins are forgiven. Lord, we sin every single day and sometimes worse than others. But every day, each morning, your mercies are new. And we praise you and thank you for that. God, please forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Psychologist Martin Seligman, in explaining the root cause of depression, says this, that depression results from the belief that your actions will be futile. This was observed in a team of horses once when they were drawing, they were pulling or drawing a, a heavy cart Plum full of freshly cut timber, big giant logs like you might see in Amish country, the steel wheels or something like that. And what happened was is that they were going uphill and the load was too much. And so the driver of the carriage decided to uh, remove one log to see if just a little bit would do. And of course that didn't work. And then he tried another and he tried another. And he kept going until the very end and the cart was entirely empty. And he would slap the reins and the horses wouldn't move because what they had discovered from the exertion of their effort was that it was in fact futile what do we do when the strength we have is simply not enough what is the one thing that you lack Right now. Mark chapter 6 today, we're going to see a group of people by the name of the disciples. And they're going to come into a situation where there's no way forward. They lack the very thing they need. And yet Jesus commands them to do it. And it begs the question, what in the world do we do when there's simply no way? How do we push past the impossible? I think sometimes when we hear the word disciples or apostles, we figure these guys got it all figured out. You know, these Bible characters, they're the lates and the greats and they knew everything. But in reality, in this passage is what we will see is that they don't. They're just like us. They don't know how. They don't get it. They have no idea what to do. But from reading this text to making a few simple observations, I think we can see that, in fact, what they experience is not a lot different than what we experience. And the way that God or Jesus wants them to move through it is the same way that he wants us to move through it as well. And so if you have your Bibles today, I'd invite you to turn to Mark chapter 6, where we'll ask and answer the question, what do we do when there's simply no way? How do we push past the impossible? Mark chapter 6, verse 30, goes like this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. They're excited. It was the first time he'd sent them out. This is a big moment. And he came and said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Perhaps you had a day like that this week. And they went into the boat to a desolate place by themselves, 
to be with Jesus. Good choice. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So much for their break. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. It grew late. And his disciples came to him and said, um, <clears throat> Jesus, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, nope, not going to work like that. You guys give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. He made them lie down. And so they sat in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What do we do when there's simply no way? How do we push past the impossible? There is only one answer to this question, but I have two observations on that answer. So the way we'll work through this text this morning is basically one way and two observations of that one way. One way and two observations. That way, of course, you may have guessed since I am a preacher and sitting here this morning is God's way. How do we get through the impossible? It is only by following God's way. Now that sounds like a simplistic answer I know on the surface, but let me flesh that out a little bit more and show you. What I mean by that. The first is this, is that God's way requires faith because it is the more difficult way. God's way requires faith. Look, in my life, this is the way things work. And I'm guessing, I'm not trying to be individualistic here. I'm just using myself as the bad example. Say, There's a good chance many of us have experienced this. When we encounter a problem... More than likely, if if you're anything like me, your first hope, your first desire is to come up with a solution. Here's a problem. What are we going to do to fix it? And no doubt, if you're like me, then the preferred solution is the quickest, the easiest, the cheapest, the simplest, the shortest out possible. Quick fixed, easy out instant solution. That's what I want. And disciples, as we look at them in this text, they're really not that different either. When you look at Mark chapter 6, verse 35, it's growing late. There's a bunch of hungry people and they're looking for a solution. What do we do? The reality is 
There's way too many people here for us to be able to feed. And in fact, even if we had the money, which we don't, there's no caterer nearby who's going to come up with enough food to feed these people in this short amount of time. The easiest thing to do is send them out on their own. Hey, guys, there's a McDonald's or a Starbucks or a KFC or whatever you want. Just go get something and come back. That's a lot easier than trying to provide a banquet for 5,000 people. By the way, the 5,000 is specifically 5,000 men. So commentators don't know, is this 5,000 men plus their spouse and children? Is it 20,000 or is it 5,000 men in particular because they're in the northern region of Israel and Galilee and these guys were probably hoping for an uprising or a revolt? Could have been either or. We don't know. But here's the thing. Here's these people and they're hungry and it's the end of the day and the disciples are like, okay, Jesus, here's what you got to do. Send them away, go get some food and then bring them back. This makes sense. It's simple. It's an easy solution. The interesting thing here is when you follow the commands, for example, if you just look at the commands in this passage, at this point, they're commanding Jesus. (laughs) It's kind of funny, isn't it? Sometimes I think so. I'm laughing. You're not, but... Often do we come to Jesus where we're imposing the demand? Like we're like, okay, God, I got this. Here's a solution that you need to do. Lord, I see a problem. Why don't you just take care of it like this? Here's what we're going to do, God. Come on. The Lord's like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Doesn't work that way. Not for me and not for you. In fact, it's the opposite way. I command you and you listen to me. And so Jesus says, no, no, verse 37a, you give them something to eat. Us? We've got nothing, Lord. You realize how much this would cost? There's no way we can cover it. Have you been there? God calls you to something and you look at that task and you're like, sorry, not a chance. Do you know, God, how much I have or how little I have? I have no hope of doing that. But here's the funny thing. Even though even though God could instantly say, okay, never mind. Don't worry about it. Boom. Food. And they'd go, whoa, praise Jesus. That's not the point of the miracle. Do you realize that? Why would he do all this extra work? Why would he lean in? Why would he require their involvement if it was just to show off his powers? All the soothsayers and, you know, medicine men and miracle workers of the day, they could have tried to attempt some sort of trickery like that. But Jesus is not after that. He's not here to impress with his supernatural power. Instead, what he wants is not the miracle, but what the miracle of the multiplication. He wants the miracle of faith. He wants the miracle to be in their hearts. And so he requires their involvement. He brings them in. And in the same way, in the same sense, he does it for us, the church. Could he affect his plan without the church? Absolutely. But in some strange way, for some strange reason, God chose us. And he says, you do it. But Lord, we can't. We Come on, I'll help. It's okay. You see, God's way requires faith and that's why it's purposefully impossible jesus knew what he was doing here it was no accident he knew what they would come back to him with 
and he knew what he was going to do with it. So he intentionally led them to a spot that they could not overcome. Don't have to raise your hands, but have you been there? Lord, why did you lead me here? I can't do it. And yet God did it on purpose. He's not interested in the quick fix, the instant miracle, the easy solution, the easy out. That's what I want. That's not what God wants. He wants to increase their faith. Sure, he could have put the perfect spread in front of them right away, but he doesn't. And then we realize that God's way is not ours. Let me ask you this question then, church. Just as an aside, before we go too much further, how are you doing in this? When you come to a problem and you can't solve it, how do you respond? Do you look up to God and say, here's a solution and provide your way? Are you willing to stop and ask him what's his? Listen to this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. To be fed by the shepherd, you have to be led by the shepherd. And if you're not willing to be led, you won't be fed. But you have to be led even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death. You have to be led by the shepherd to be fed by the shepherd. God's way requires faith because it's hard. It's difficult. Point one of that is God's way requires faith because it's more difficult than our way. Our way is the easy way. His way is the hard way. But that's on purpose because he wants to grow your faith. Second point under that is this. God's way requires faith because it doesn't always make sense. Look at how how they answer. He says, you know, you give them to something to eat. And their response is, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of food? Essentially, this is two, one, one denarii is like a day's wages. So you're talking about 200 days wages. So whatever that is for you, Jesus has just asked them, hey, go get some food. And they think they're going to have to spend that much money. But the reality is this, is that Jesus is intentionally testing their faith. His way doesn't always make sense. His way is more difficult. And yet we have to trust him through it. God's way requires faith because it's more difficult and it doesn't make sense. It's hard and they don't understand. And yet Jesus says, this is what we're going to do. So too with us. If you're in a spot in life where it's hard and you don't understand, more than likely you're exactly where God wants you. And he's not going to bail out on these guys at this point. He's not going to leave them high and dry. He's not going to send them out there in front of 5,000 men and then let them get mobbed. Instead, he's going to take care of it. When they're short, he covers the gap as long as they do what he wants. And so too with us. He's not going to leave us high and dry. He's not going to leave us stranded as orphans. But when we're short on anything, time, money, strength, emotional support, spiritual, whatever, he's going to supply it. God is not out to get us. He's out to grow us. That's the point of this miracle. God is not out to get us. He is out to grow us. So when we come into the impossible, then like the disciples, we need to recognize that God's way is more difficult. 
God's way doesn't make sense, but even though that's the case, God's way works. What would have happened if at this point in the story, you know, they've, they've, Jesus has taught, taught the masses. It's the end of the day. It's getting late. He's required the disciples to go out and see what type of food or provision is out there. At that point, they just throw up their hands and say, you know what, Lord, (laughs) we're done. That's it. I mean, we're not great scientists or whatever, but we can do the math and this simply doesn't add up. You know what happened at that point? They would have missed out on a major, major miracle. In fact, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all the Gospels or the early letters or early books in the New Testament. Why? Why not the raising of the dead or the healing of the blind or any of these other cool miracles like water to wine or walking on water. No, that's not it. It's this one. This is the one miracle that's in all the gospels. And the reason is, is because Jesus wants to grow their faith and he wants to grow ours too. And he's given them a preview of what is to come. This is the good shepherd who's leading them through the valley of the shadow of death. And then he is saying a prayer and breaking bread. Do you know what's going to happen in about two and a half years? What's he going to do again? He's going to say a prayer and break bread. But the next time, the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he's betrayed, after he'd given thanks, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. Jesus is. The bread of life. And he is the provision. That nothing else. Can provide. And this text is bringing us to a realization. That when we come into an impossible spot. He is in fact. Our answer. Psalm 37. Verses 5 through 7. Says this. It says commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord trust in him and he will act be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices for he will bring forth righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday when I began this sermon I talked about horses for a little bit I think I may have made them sound a little bit more like mules. Like dumb animals that don't exactly know what they're doing. But the reality is this, is that the horse is a beautiful, majestic animal. I've been to um, some places in northeast Missouri where there's Belgium horses, which are kind of like Clydesdales, and they're giant horses. I mean, when I stand up, my head is like at their shoulders. They pull these gargantuan, uh, like, iron carts with huge steel wheels. Not the little, you know, Amish buggies you see going down the road, but huge carts, big horses. And it just so happens that much earlier in the Bible, there was a man who came to his wit's end, and there was an impossible situation that he didn't know what to do with. He begins to question God. But then God questions him back. And says, Job, do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane 
Do you make his, make him leap like a locust? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exhorts in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword, but with fierceness and rage, he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. And when the trumpet sounds, he says, aha, he smells the battle from afar. The thunder of the captains and the shouting. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one, plays on the horse as well. I feel like I have to quote this one every single day. It says this, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Here's the thing. When we come into these impossible situations and we're like, I, I don't know. I, there's no way out. I don't know what to do. And I'm stuck. At that point, you're exactly where Jesus wants you to be. He has led you to this spot, not because he's out to get you, but because he is out to grow you. And this is a perfect spot for you to follow his way and not your own. Commit your way to the Lord and he will act. Trust him to do what he says. Father, I am thankful that everything you do is right and true and just. Lord, I know that there are many spots in our lives that are all different. And for each one of us, trusting you is going to be just as different as we are. But Lord, I pray as you lead us through the valleys, we will trust you. We will believe you. We will follow you no matter what. We will take what you have and give it back gladly so that you can multiply it many fold. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.